Speaking to Mr. NJ Ayuk, the Executive Chairman at the African Energy Chamber and the CEO of the Centurion Law Group. Hello, Mr. Ayuk. Hello, Mr. Bishop. Thank you so much for having me. First off, can you tell us a bit about the African Energy Chamber and, and what it is that you do? The question is, what don't we do? The African Energy, the African Energy Chamber is the umbrella group for African for the oil and natural gas industry. We've expanded into all forms of energy. We advocate for the energy sector, free markets, limited government, enhancing energy in the continent, and energy poverty, fighting energy poverty. We believe that for Africa to have its true place in the world, you need to have energy and abundant energy because when you have abundant energy, you will solve security problems, you will solve issues around poverty, and you would have true independence because you can provide energy to so many that do not have. But we need to create an enabling environment and attract investment to make that work. You seem to be a very uh, well-traveled man. I believe I'm speaking to you today in Congo Brazzaville, and you were recently in Namibia to meet with various officials, including our Minister of Mines and Energy. What was the purpose of your visit to Namibia? First, it was to have discussions with various petroleum and energy operators of all kinds in the country, and also to assess the work that's been done there. You have to have looking forward to a dry drain campaign later on this year, Shell as well, and Recon has its current carrying on various exploration programs with haze. It's already them wells that have been drilled. So you want to see operation that's going on, but also discuss with government to see, to ensure that they continue to create an enabling environment for energy producers to come in and invest money and see where we can help. But also, also personally um, encourage the Namibian government and authorities to be also at the Africa Energy Week in Cape Town because we will be discussing um, big things, a big global agenda for energy and an African position. Second, how do we continue to attract investment into Namibia? Namibia has one of the best petroleum regulations, amazing petroleum industry. The regulatory environment led by Magichino have done an amazing job in really working hand in hand with oil and gas players and other energy players in the country. The minister, he's a guy with some tough questions, man. The guy is, the guy is he's, he's right on top. He keeps you on your toes, but you really see how you build that energy mix that works there. But also looking at the hopes, ambitions, and how we can support Namco to transform itself to be a better organization that can really work to reach out to the royal communities, provide the much needed swells into there, but also prepare itself to be a stronger partner to the developers. That will be seen there. So you need to bring partners. You need to think that. I've had a great discussion with Francois from the investment agents and, and board. They are really moving with big ideas. So it's not enough to just have these phone calls or email exchanges. It's really important that you come, you sit down, you look at the challenges and you be able to, what we have with the chamber, to find solutions. Because these solutions are what people are tired of talk, man. People just want solutions. You know, they just want to see, can we just get something done? You, you, you know, if you can't get 100%, give me 60%. 
and I want to see you out there working hard. When they know you're trying, they're like, you know what? It's like watching that rock begin and say, the boy walked his way. He, he, you know, forgive my friend, he walked his, his socks off. You know, he, 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 he fought. Even if he lose, they know he gave his very best. And I think that's what we want the energy industry to do, to give its very best because people deserve better. Benson, the uh, upcoming African Energy Week that's happening in Cape Town, uh, when exactly is that happening? And, and you did touch on it a bit, but but what are the expectations of the event itself? First of all, it's happening on the 9th to the 12th of November. Um, those are great dates. Down here in Southern Africa, the weather is going to be amazing. So our European and American friends, they are, you know, I don't know if they come in for investment or they come in for the wine and the steaks, but we, we would accept them, okay? We, we, they call it Africa, we call it home. We would accept them. They will come down, we will feed them, but we also need their money. They need to put money into African projects. They need to, and it's not, it's not just oil and gas, but it's also going to be renewables. It's going to be power and utilities because those are key plans. You know, you can't run industries with generators. Okay, you need you need real power. And I think that is what is really, really critical. Us driving this, especially during COVID time. Energy is a very, very important thing. We're dealing with a, with a world that is changing. Climate change, energy transition, what is going to be an African position and how African energy community is going to deal with climate change and energy transition. We can't be isolated from the world. We need to watch, you know, the train has left the station. We need to get on board, but also we need to make a case why Africa needs to see gas and all of that things and have a united position or even some kind of advisory position for us to push forward. You know, you go around Namibia and around Africa, people would say we have a lot of oil and gas, power, renewable projects that have no investment. But then you turn around to Europe and America and in Africa, there's some, you always see people say we have a lot of money without, with no projects. Enough with that. Get everybody in the room and say, here are your projects, here are your financiers. Let's get something done. Let's just get stuff done. People are tired of what I call a paralysis of analysis. Just pick something, get it done. And that's kind of that's the kind of thing which we at the chamber believe. We don't want to be perfect. We don't want to be 100%. But you know what? At least let's just be a reflection of that perfection. Let, let's get two, three, four, five, six deals done. And two, that would change lives of people, create more jobs. And that is better than having to talk for the next 10 years, trying to get a, the perfect deal while people are suffering, while people are not getting things done. And with that massive influence, and power and revenue that we have, let us bring to the industry and transform this continent. Talk about getting things done. And I mean, in terms of energy, it, it seems that Africa, like so many other sectors, is, is we resource rich, but end product poor. So in terms of getting things done, what is actually holding us back in terms of energy generation and, and, and truly benefiting from our natural resources? Well, bureaucracy and lack of capital. 650 million people in the continent get up every day, go to bed at night with no access to any kind of electricity. That's a human rights issue. It's no longer an economic issue. It's a human rights issue. In 2021, in a continent of 1 billion people, 650 million get up, go to bed, don't know what electricity is. 
they only live with, if we didn't have Mother Earth with lights, they wouldn't know that. Our generation of Africans cannot let this happen. Energy poverty is the rallying cry of the day. If you don't have that, how are you going to develop and build industries and create more jobs and create more opportunities for so many young people in your continent that has more than 70% is under, it's under 30, very young population, but we need to we need, we need to move away from the past. I always say the past is reference, not really. The bureaucracy and the political red, red tape, we need to cut down red tape and give businesses a chance to grow and to succeed. We need to be, we need to embrace what the world that we live in today. We need to become more transparent and we need to really drive in good, good governance. We need to really understand sometimes we need to incentivize growth. It's not enough to just tell industry, do this and do that, and then stop attacking business, whether it's a small business or big business. You can't love jobs and hate those who create jobs. You need to incentivize these job creators so that they can hire more people because government is not always the solution. Government can be part of the solution, but government shouldn't be giving people every day. We want everyday people, businesses, working without red tape to be those solution providers that can make people feel that they can get up every day and go out there. So let's, one of the things that is really important to look at this is let's cut out the crap and start thinking like, oh, you need to be on a big oil, man. You need to do total. No, everyday Africans, young people can go out there and produce renewables, can produce solar, wind, small power generation to serve their communities and still make money from. And when you get these young people driving up with new entrepreneurship and new skills, then they start believing in themselves and stop being reliant on government or stop being reliant on, oh, we're waiting for somebody to come from America or from Europe to save us. Development aid is not going to help us. As a continent, we've received more than $1 trillion in aid. What has what have we done with that? Monies end up in Swiss bank accounts and other places. So we need to change that. We need to get capital going into the private sector, going into communities and grazing communities from there. With that, we're driving growth that is with everyday people. And that is really key for this right now. We have to see a paradigm shift from what we've walked in the past. We can no longer, Einstein says, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, he called that insanity. We need to stop the Afro-insanity and push more business, push more energy, because then we will start fixing problems that these problems are here in Africa. We need to start finding solutions here, welcoming our European, American, Asian, all different partners to help us get there. Speaking of those developments and that paradigm shift, then what are some of the biggest or the most exciting new developments in the field and you know things that we should be looking out for as Africans? Well, things you should be looking at as Africans, you look at Namibia. Yesterday is nobody, today is somebody. Who would have thought that you will be having Recon Africa with the potential of some of the biggest, most important hydrocarbon discoveries in the world would be done in a country that everybody had cast out and said, it's just going to be, you're just going to be netting waters to get it. There's no future. You should be looking at Namibia again with what Total and Shell are prone to discover out there. This could be big. And most 
the industry is looking at Namibia seriously and they are paying attention. And more people from our part here at the African Energy Week, we see more investors starting to ask, how do we have access to potential new opportunities in Namibia and how do we start engaging with them? So you could move from zero to hero, you know? So we have to really start looking at that. But so what's something that is quite revolutionary around the continent? Nigeria, those guys could not sign a petroleum industry bill for 20 years because of bickering and infighting. They got it done. It might be 20 years late, but better late than never. And so you're going to see a transformation of really taking care of the environment, banning gas flaring, using so much gas to help with energy transition, to, to work on gas to power projects and really incentivize growth. You are seeing something really big and we must pay attention to that. Mozambique, potential $100 billion investment going in that country over the next five to six years with some of the largest gas resources in there that could transform that country, build petrochemical plants, urea, ammonia, MPK, fertilizer plants that could really develop the country, its agricultural basis, and help it export food, not just to the SADC region, but across Africa. But you have security issues that are hampering that development. We need to pay attention to that. So there is so much going on. Senegal is developing big LNG projects and all of that, and also looking at big governance initiatives that are going to happen around the continent. So this is a chance where Africa is really having that conversation with its investors and saying, we need to do business differently. It's no longer enough with a bunch of guys from London and Houston and Beijing with two, three Africans in smoke-filled room, smoking a cigar and strike a deal. No, that's part of past that. Past that. We have to admit, I industry has not been good on that. You know, I'm not going to defend what is undefendable. It's we've not been good on that. We had seen Africa in a very, very bad. That's why we have a bad reputation. Okay. We have, I mean, think about it. Less than 5% of the industry, of the energy industry, excludes 52% of the African population. Women. You don't have women in the industry. It's very difficult. We need to change that. But everybody has a responsibility. Governments has to finance a lot of science and STEM education and encourage women growth, have the right kind of policies to push women forward. But the industry has to embrace women with the right kind of rules and even creating programs that when men sexually harass women at oil rates or oil fields, they are punished immediately and have those protections in there. You can't have a bunch of guys sitting in there and throwing jokes about a woman's body and you expect her to perform well and get promoted. It's just nonsense. We need to change that. And that is why we, we, we advocate that this industry is changing. And this is coming from an oil man. This is I'm coming from people who have been through and through oil. I've, I've, you know, I don't know anything else but oil and gas. So, you know, I mean, I love donuts and good food, but I, you know, I, I, I'll be bad if you let me make you a steak. You know, you'll be eating something different. But if it comes to oil, you, you can rest assured we got you. But we need that change. And that is what we need to do. And it's not something different, but we have to just have to look at our realities. And like I said, the oil industry and energy industry as a whole has to look at a mirror. And Africa has to look at a mirror. And mirrors are not just to reflect what you see. Mirrors are to correct what you see. 
And if when we look at energy transition and going forward, we need to correct what we see because it will make us better. And we're going to make more money. When we become inclusive, we provide more energy to people. Imagine how much money you would make if you provide more energy to 615 million that don't have it. Life is all about additions. So stop relying on the 350 million and fighting to get money from that 350 million that already have something. Look at the 650 million that have nothing. Go out there and get them, get entrepreneurship, get young people to go out there and work. You make more money. And that's the case we're going to make in Cape Town. And we've been so blessed to have many American, British, Asian investors really saying they want to be in South Africa. We have 560 tickets sold already, 560 during this COVID time. Um, about 480, all from America and Europe and Asia. You know, I, I know we're going to get a huge African um, participation from young people, but, you know, Africans, we come late. You know, we show up late and we need to change that. But the governments and ministries have been participating, have been traveling a lot. They are going to come in, but we need to also work with them to pre-package deals so that the deals are packageable. It's not just enough to say we have resources. No, do present it very well so that those resources can make investment. And that's what we're trying to help our continent do. We think we owe it to this continent. Backtrack a little and to localize it based on what you said a short while back. I take it then that in your opinion, Recon's exploration, their drilling operations in Northwest Namibia and, and the explorations off the Namibian coast, in your view, will be successful? It will be not only successful, but very successful. But it's important to watch on the environmental side. I have talked to the players around Recon. They are not taking this lightly. The Namibian authorities are not taking this lightly. And I think credit needs to be given to the lot of the environmental impact assessment that has been done by both sides. And also, it's also good to hold them accountable. You know, I'm against people coming in from saying that civil society should shut up. They shouldn't say anything. No, that's crazy. When you don't have everyday people holding business accountable, you know, business people, we like creditors. We go where we see profit and we just take it, you know, so you need to hold them accountable. But we need to have an honest and more balanced dialogue that is not being used to hurt a company that is investing and a government that is trying to see that we find ways to help it. So the demonization needs to go away. The harsh rhetoric needs to go away. And you need to have you need to have a more balanced and more fair discussion on how you're going to advance that. Because at the end of the day, it's about people, it's about communities. Yes, it's about profits, but also we need to really ensure that we do it well. I think they are using some world-class technologies to drive on this exploration in, in Namibia. Depending on what happens there, you are going to see those same technologies used across the region. And so it's really important that we encourage them to be successful, but we also pay attention to ensure that um, you know, unique and pristine environmental areas are protected because we need to be good stewards of the environment. It's really, really important. I always tell my friends in Europe and America that Africans don't need lectures from you about the environment. Nobody loves the environment more than we do. We are part of our environment. We live with this environment. You know, before you send you send Tarzan to come do a movie, we live, we live the life of Tarzan. 
We live the life, we live with our green grass, we live with, we love it. It's part of us, we connect it to nature. And that is, you must understand that. And we have to be good stewards of that environment because we need to live it better than we made it. And but we need to also calm down the rhetoric and really try to see how we can find pragmatic common sense solutions to issues that are raised. I want to quickly touch on some other projects that, that we've been told about already. Uh, things like the Broopada and Leipat gas discoveries in South Africa, the long-awaited Kudu gas project here in Namibia. Do you have any idea when we can expect the completion of those and, and you know what those will then mean for the local economies as well? I think I started with Kudu Gas. Namco did the right thing to bring B, BW, I think BW Offshore, BW Energy to take the, the biggest uh, working interest in that, that Kudu project and they will carry Namco and they will finance it and they, they will do it. I think within the next few years, you're going to see um, something with Kudu Gas. I think that is a long-awaited project. What is beautiful is that I think between public sector and Namco, they all understand how um, this is important to not just Namibia, but the regional gas play in the region. So there is pressure, and there's also pressure on the company that has put in the financing to move that Kudu Gas project. I want Kudu Gas project to happen. I think it's so important. Kudu Gas was discovered before I was born, okay? <laughs> I'm an old man. So it was discovered before I was born. So we need to see something in our lifetime. I don't want to tell my son or my daughter Kudu, yeah, yeah, let's keep hoping for Kudu gas. We just need to close it. You have a very pragmatic group of Americans. We do see they love Namibia. They love being in the country. But I, I tell them all the time, don't just go there and have those nice steaks and wine. You get out there and give me some gas quickly. We need it. We need it. The economy needs it. We need to grow. And this is so important. When it comes to South Africa, regulations needs to meet investment quickly. An enabling environment could spur that development so fast. You look at that Durban corridor, you have an amazing logistic base that could be built out there. And you know, you don't need to have a PhD to run a logistic base, but that those logistic bases could really help with this development in total. Qatar Petroleum is already putting a lot of money in there together with Total to see how they can develop these gas resources. And with the current power shortages that you're seeing around ESCOM, gas could really come right in to cut the things short and really filling the short gaps because you would have a cleaner form of fossil fuels. It's a transition fuel and you'll be able to provide power that would really solve a lot of critical issues in Africa's most industrialized country. The only thing I would say with South Africa is that they need to move quickly. They need to move faster. They need to walk away from getting caught up in a what I call a paralysis of analysis. We need more PhD do's and less PhDs. If we do that, you would see success with, with happening with that. You mentioned when we were talking earlier about the Energy Week in Cape Town, and you did say that there will be a focus on green as well, but you alluded to the fact that there needs to be a mix. What would you say, I mean, the rest of the world seems to be moving on to green energy. There's a lot of talk about how the days of fossil fuel are over and how we shouldn't 
wouldn't be putting any more investment. I know a lot of the big uh, sort of investment firms are pulling out or no longer funding investments into fossil fuels. And people saying that, you know what, we, we should be looking to solar and wind and, and even green hydrogen instead. What is your answer to that? And, and sort of how do you defend that energy mix that we still need to do both? I would put it this way. There's a great American writer, Mark Twain. He said the reports of my death have been grossly exaggerated. <laughs> you know, the reports of the death of the oil industry are being grossly exaggerated. Last week, the United States National Security Advisor asked OPEC to increase more oil production. We need to walk away from la la la. The idea that we're not going to be using oil in the next 50 or 60 years is not true. I work very closely with OPEC. We look at the numbers. We are very, very data driven. And if you really focus on data and walk away from the rhetoric, you are going to see where the world is going. And what Norway is still producing a lot of oil and gas and taking it into it. Russia is doing it. The United States is doing it. Australia is doing it. Great Britain did not see just get incentives for more production. And you tell in Africa that, that, oh my God, this is, this is ending. It is not ending. We just have to do it in a cleaner fashion. Whenever the world has faced great, greater crisis and um, things that would stall us in development. You know, some people tend to God and some people tend to other things. I believe the world always turns to technology. Technology is going to be that bridge that gets us there. And those technologies have not yet, some of them have not yet been in place, but they're working really well so that we can produce cleaner fuels, we can produce like Mozambique, low carbon LNG and gas, and we can really drive up affordable and available renewables that will help everybody and still be able. We don't just need renewables that will give you lights in your house. We need renewables that would power your industries. We need renewables that would really create more developments and create more jobs for everyday people that really need it because there's dignity in work that these families and parents can really move that. And I think we need to be very careful how we do the shift. It's important, but we need to bring in green hydrogen. It's important. A country like Namibia has great potential for green hydrogen. It needs to be financed. Somebody needs to pay for it. It's not just, it's, you know, it's nothing so powerful than an idea that sticks with you. Then you put action to it. It means that ideas have come. Everyday Africans are tired about people just talking about these ideas and these promises that never get to them. We're not against green hydrogen. Just do it. Don't just sit in Europe and America and say, do green hydrogen. Okay, good. There's a $4 billion project in Namibia. Who's going to pay for it? Just do it. Put your money where your mouth is. We're not against. If you go out there with all the way and put some of the largest solar and projects and everything, even my own industry, the oil industry, we talked about us doing a transition. Most of the big projects for, for wind and solar that the oil industry is doing, it's not in Africa. They're doing that in Europe and the United States. So then you turn to these Africans and say, abandon the little thing that you have and get more in the dark. It's hard. It's hard. So you need to have some justice and equity in this transition. If you do that, then we start moving there. But you can't just promise people something. I mean, the idea that they think 
every African would be driving a Tesla by 2030. You know, I, I, I don't know, but I'm not that smart, but I, I, I doubt it, you know, because how are you going to drive a Tesla without electricity to power the Tesla? You know, so, so, but that's what they're selling to our young people and they believe in it. That's why we say, first, we got to get electricity to everybody. We got to make energy poverty history. If we do that, then there's not a problem to bring in Tesla and other electric vehicles. And why not make these electric vehicles in Africa? You know, why not, why not just pick three, four, five hops around Africa and let you have your African vehicles, electric vehicles, it's not a problem. And you could use some of the hydrogen, you even have hydrogen-powered cars and ship some of the hydrogen as an export um, instead, of, instead of oil. And you still have money and commodity trading going on in the world and maybe change the combustion of some of the aircrafts, like some of the big Boeings that we fly today and some of the ships to use maybe natural gas or hydrogen or electricity that can be that you can have the right kind of batteries that you can store it. It can be done. But don't just tell people to do it. Somebody with no money, you know, yeah, you know, you just got to finance it. There's no reason why you're spending $6.9 trillion a year on energy transition in Europe. Then you promise Africans $100 billion and then money never came. How do you want these same people to trust you on getting into another mandate. You spend 6.9 trillion a year. You saw these guys, these people are poor. You promised them 100 billion, which is nothing, and it never came. So we need to get in, I mean, we're going into COP, we're going into Cape Town for the African Energy Week. We need to really start looking at how to get financing up to finance our own transition. We need to look at how to create opportunities to be able to deal with that because it's real. Transition is real. The train has left the station. Don't sit back and just say, I'm going to cling to my coal and I'm going to cling to my oil. No, be pragmatic. Look at the world and embrace it and look for the opportunities around it. And I think that's one of the key things we do in the African Energy Week. We, we've traditionally not brought in renewables. So we, you, you don't need Africa all week. You don't need it. That's you just focusing on the past. You know, the past is reference, not residence. Right now, we need to embrace opportunities in renewables, opportunities in power utilities, gas, oil, and break, get all of that and drive that up so that you can create and spur a new wave of development while transitioning. I'm not even in oil or gas. It sounds like I'd like to go to the Africa Energy Week. Thank you so much, Mr. Ayuk. Uh, all the best for the event and uh, all the best for the future. Thank you so very much. And I look forward to seeing you in person when I come back to Namibia. I used to hang around Tura, but I went there this last time. It's changed a lot. So after 20 years, I want to come back again. It is a beautiful beautiful country i was well welcome amazing people and the food is good too so i it gave me a chance to eat good food and go walk out and run around the hill so it was beautiful, beautiful. thank you so much for having me sir